Support for this podcast comes from PayPal. Small business owner, PayPal QR codes are the safe and easy payment option. It's all the security PayPal is known for online, in person. Cash only, QR codes allow you to accept credit or debit with everyday low fees. No additional hardware or software needed. Use the app to generate your unique QR code. Customers scan your code with their PayPal app to pay you. Learn more at paypal.com slash us slash get QR code. Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing. Hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning in and joining us. You are tuned right into The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Josh Carey. Let's talk communication. You know it comes in all kinds of ways. The way we communicate with friends, with family, with colleagues and coworkers, with clients, with potential clients, with strangers in the supermarket, with our pets, and dare I say, with ourselves. You certainly know the fundamental need to be the best communicator possible, including in places like formal public speaking, learning the mechanics of speech, overcoming the fear of public speaking, embracing leadership communication, sales communication, customer service communication strategy, and in many more ways. Well, our guest today is here to help bridge all of that gap for us. He's a second-generation executive communication coach, who knew, and co-author of the international best-selling book, Mastering Communication at Work, How to Lead, Manage, and Influence. I'm on board. Help me welcome Dr. Ethan Becker. How are you, doctor? Oh, I'm doing great. Great to be here. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. So how was, how was that? Did I communicate effectively? Any, any feedback? What do I need to know? Very effective. Very effective. Clear, easy to understand. And uh, you, you did just fine. Well, thank you. Um, <laughs> Before we went on the air, I was saying that there is just so much here that I embrace. Um, I Up until knowing that someone like you exists, I never really knew how much I embraced and really appreciate communication in my current day. And it's not just today, but certainly still today. Looking back on my past I come from the acting and film world, so I know okay. that is that that's all about communication, right? Expression yeah. and and that art. Sure. Um, and then uh, and then writing. I've really embraced the writing craft, and I'm like another expression of communication. So when we're talking um, for at least this conversation, it is all in about the the words we use and the language we speak. Yeah, when you know when in listening to you describe it, when you think about it it's really quite profound. I mean as a species we have figured out how to take thought, these ideas here in the back of our head and then control the flabs of skin here that make noises when we breathe. Uh and we can change the noise. Uh like we can we can and then shape the noise with what what's called the articulators, the teeth, the tongue, the lips, all of this so that we make sounds so that another human being can hear the sounds, decode the sound, and now they have the same thought that we started with. It's in well, in theory they do. Well, exactly. we're gonna talk about that. We'll talk about that. But it, if you think about it, it's profound. There's no other species on the planet that can do it quite like humans. But it's also no wonder there is so much room for misunderstanding. Uh, we, we, I say one thing, I mean, and if you've ever had a situation where, or if, if your listeners have ever had a situation where you, you swore you were perfectly clear, yet the other person just still doesn't get it. 
this is where communication comes in. And this is what us and our family, our family business, and all of the coaches that work here, this is what we study and, and then go out and train and coach people on how to do. So it's very different than like executive coaching or life coaching. They're very precise. It's a skill building uh, component. So you brought up so much there, including um, the fact that if, if, if we're communicating, if we're talking to anybody and there's just a disconnect, right? Miscommunication. You hear it in life and business all the time. Ah, I guess that broke yeah. down. It was, a, it, it was a lack of communication or, or, or there was a miscommunication. So what's, what's the issue there? What's at the heart there? What happened there? Yeah, what, what's ha- we, we have different upbringings, we have different experiences. And when you think about the language we use, words shape perception. So when I use a word, you hear the word, and then I'm hoping you have the same understanding of that word. Here's a, here's a day-to-day example. Um, and th- this, will, this will resonate with anybody who is in the New England area, um, in particular, in the in the who who is part of the uh, clan of Dunkin' Donuts, or the equivalent of Dunkin' Donuts, which is the local coffee shops around here. But you go in and you ask for, let's say, an iced tea with sugar. But see, Dunkin' Donuts has two different kinds of sugars. <laughs> Depending on which one you go to, if you say regular sugar, it means syrup, and if another one, literally up the street. It means the granular sugar, right? And then you end up, this is sort of like a plain example, but we have these misunderstandings. Now take it out of a a fun coffee shop and put it into, let's say, a business environment. Maybe you're trying to convince some investors about your vision. You've got to think about how am I wording this? How am I framing this in a way that they can get it? And then watch in your communication for their body language. Are they understanding? We need to confirm understanding. Uh, When we do, it's great. And for the most part, we're pretty good at it. As a species, we're pretty good at it. We talk about things and we have the same understandings of it. But there's just a lot of room for misunderstanding. So you got to be sensitive to that. If it's a technical word, technical jargon, things like that, Make sure, to, make sure they understand the context for which you're talking and, and what you mean. You're going to do much better if you do. Set the foundation for us even further here, because I know that, as, as you put it earlier, everything we're talking about is anything to do with talking is your specialty. And hey, yes. big fan of talking. Spoiler <laughs> alert, right? Oh, couldn't tell. Yeah. Um, and uh, so um, define for us the psychology of speech and the mechanics of speech. What are those? Why are they important? How do we sure. embrace them? Sure. And it, may be, it might be helpful to just kind of share some light on our back. Like, who are we? Who is sure. this little company here? We're, so the Speech Improvement Company, uh, we've been in business since 1964. So my mother and father started the company. And that's, that story is kind of fun all by itself. She was studying speech pathology. And he was studying rhetoric and public address and like a Reese's peanut butter, like they kind of got together and they had this idea. And then she was Jewish and he was Catholic. There was all that thing in the 1960s, the the 1960s, you know, Um, but they, they had this idea that if you could coach an executive, the way an athlete was coached, you could really coach, you could help that person and change their life. So they started this idea. They, they were in Boston. They put an ad in the paper. A guy from New York saw it and they had their first client. And that's when they started this. And then it grew into a firm. And then about 20 or 30 years later, it became a little bit more common in the, in the business world. But, but I grew up in, in and around this. So we had people coming to the house and I'd look through the cracks on the floor and I could kind of see the tops of the heads downstairs. Like, what are they doing? Like when I was a little kid and they were talking about talking, how do I become, how do I control my nervousness? The psychology of that? Uh, how do I uh, become more clear? The articulation. So to your question, the psychology of communication is forming our thoughts organizing them. For example, if you, a daily example, if you have to give a presentation, how do you organize the presentation in a way that your listeners can receive the message clearly? You know, things like that. Uh, am, I, am I getting too caught into the weeds? Do I need to start with the point right up front or give the background up front? So there's a lot of study and research around this. We study all of that and then we bring that to our clients. The mechanics has to do with clarity, articulation, the production of sound. Hmm. So when I'm speaking, 
There is a huge difference if I say to you, hey, don't do that. Don't. I said don't, D-O-N, versus don't, D-O-N-T. Don't. 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 Right. And it may sound like I'm nitpicking here, but look, this is why this stuff matters. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to say we all must have proper English. No, right. we, first of all, we don't even speak English in the United States. <laughs> we, we speak what's called American. But what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about is clarity. And, and here's why. Think of it like this. In general American, the, the American version of English, in general American, the average person speaks at a rate of approximately 183 words per minute. Which is fast. I get it. Yeah. That's on average. Wow. That's on average. You're fast. You're probably at about 211 words per minute right now, what you I noticed. hear you speaking. Uh, yes, uh, I can count. So you move up to 115 a little bit and then back down. But if you, it, it, we can think and process at like 600 words per minute. Oh, wow. So therefore, while somebody's talking with us, we can hear them and understand them because they're only talking around 183, a little more, a little less, whatever. But then there's like 400 or so words a minute doing other things. I mean, even right now, for those of you who, who, are, who are watching this visually and can see me, you might be lis listening and thinking, you know, oh, I've got that email going. I got to do later on today. And what's up with the guy's eyebrow? You know, if you can see me, it's, I have a white eyebrow. It's a birthmark I've had in my oh, whole life. Now but that like, you say it. Yeah, I know. But the, there's all sorts of dialogue happening in our conversations. Okay, fine. When I'm not clear... When I do what we refer to as tech, this is all mechanics of speaking. When we do what, what is called assimilation, the combining of sounds, we say words like gimme. Yeah, gimme. Give me. Hey, would you give me the cup of water? When I do that, if I'm talking with people who know me well, who cares? Doesn't matter. If I say gimme, G-I-M-M-E, give me the cup of water. And two seconds later, there's water in my hand. I've communicated. It doesn't matter. Uh, if I say to you, and you know what I mean, I mean, that's communication, baby. It's happening. But when I start talking with people who don't know my speech pattern, not my accent, my speech pattern well, like let's say a potential investor or a business partner or someone I just wow. don't see all the time. Yeah. Now I am making them, that 400 words a minute in the back of their head, I make them work harder to understand, to just hear the word and process it. You do a little bit of this, nobody cares. The brain figures it out, it's fine, whatever. You do five minutes of this, 10 minutes of this, in particular in a business meeting, forget it. Your listeners will go <laughs> off to the beach because it's too much effort. You miss one word and now they're 400 words a minute are saying, wait, what was that term he said a moment ago? But then you keep going. And most people won't tell you. They'll just nod and smile, right? And for the most part, we muddle along just fine. But we teach this stuff because what we have found is that when people begin to pay attention to the quality of the articulation, wow. I mean, look out. The quality of the communicating is so much higher. It's so much higher, and it makes everything you're doing easier. And this is just the mechanics. That's yeah. separate from how we organize and should oh. we be emotional, empathetic, or harsh. That's totally different. This is just simple clarity in speech. And this fascinating, fascinating. I, I love every minute of it. Is and, and I'm guessing that this is something, um, A, you can get better at with practice and understanding, right, yes. on the receiving end of it. I mean, is, is in fact, that's how we do improve. Somebody like you listens and then evaluates and, and brings back to us where we are and what we need to improve on. So for the mm -hmm. person listening uh, in business and wants to improve in all the ways we listed at the top of the show, whether just uh, to their colleagues and coworkers, to potential clients, to customers, to all of this stuff, to friends and family, what is, how do they approach and first evaluate? How do we self-assess where, yeah. where the heck am I on this scale? It's, it's not a simple 
thing to do without some help because Fine. we can't we can't hear it in right. ourselves. Sometimes, I mean, when we're trained, so we can, we, this is one of the things we do with coaching and training and we do it all over the world. I'm, I'm usually on airplanes in other countries. I mean, all, we're all over the place. And even in our standard, let's say a, a standard presentation skills program, we will be teaching the mechanics. So we teach it there. We teach it privately. Uh, in my book, uh, I took a piece from that and I put a chapter in there on articulation. And I talk about very specific sounds. There are only eight that we like to teach that sort of in general, without knowing and hearing you, if you wanted to polish, there's one group of sounds that there's a technical name for it called plosives. Yeah. We didn't make the, we didn't make that up. That's a real name. (laughs) But if you study the plosives and practice them, that by itself creates wonderful separation in your articulation. And uh, I put the sounds in the book, and this something that's actually relatively new that we haven't really announced in a, ma- in a major way, we've sort of done a soft launch, is uh, there's an app that we just announced oh, that's on cool. the uh, App Store. I'm very sorry. It's just for iPhone right now. We may change that in the future, but we're, we're a small team here. So we created this in-house. Like We literally created it ourselves. I did the coding on my own. It was kind of fun. Good little project you. I did on the weekends. Yeah. But but the app is really, really cool. It has some of our tools that we teach, but more relevant to our conversation right now, there's something we put in here called the Plosives Practice Lab, Ooh. which th- th- I did this because in the book, it's my, my dad's grandmother used to tell him, you can't learn to swim by reading a book. So how are you supposed to hear your sounds? by? Re-? So the book is good because you know what's going on. In here, we put recordings of us actually reading practice sentences so you can listen to the correct way to do the practice of the sentence, Mm. and then you can record yourself doing it and compare it back to back. And it's very effective at helping you strengthen your articulation. So that's kind of an exciting thing. It's a free app. We just... What's the name of it? We just do this stuff because we're kind of nerdy, but but it's out there. What's the name of the app? The name of the app is called Speech Companion speech companion. You can also find it if you search for our company name, the speech improvement company, you'll Hmm. find it either way. It's free. It's just, you know, something fun that we wanted to put out to the world. Yeah. Is, um, let's talk about the, uh, the tools, which I know, um, you were, you were mentioning that, uh, certainly fear of public speaking is, um, you know, I don't have to talk to you to hear the statistic and the incredibly, uh, funny joke by Jerry Seinfeld, uh, (laughs) uh, asserting that uh, people have, people are more fearful of public speaking than death, which means that they would rather be in the coffin than giving (laughs) eulogy. You know, we love that here. Oh, Uh, you do. You know the joke, right? Of course. Of course. And really, while we're there, isn't isn't every stand-up comic don't they have to be a master communicator? Isn't every artist in the business of communication, as we all are? But yeah, no, no, no. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. And at a certain level, yes. But there is a very big difference between the kind of communicating that that we're doing when we're in a theater environment, doing mm-hmm. either acting or comedy, where it is primarily one to many, and it is fixed. That is not, this is why we're very sensitive about using theater based techniques to teach communication skills in the business world. Because if you're sitting down with some potential of investors, it ain't acting. Like (laughs) you're, you're, and and you know what? It's not a TED talk. You know, it's like if you try to talk like TED at an investor meeting, Goodbye, you know. Yeah. So we we, but I'm I'm not belittling that. I'm just saying right. there's because it is a form of communication. It's, it's a form of communication, and it is awesome. I love going to the theater, right? But it's one thing, and there are elements that can transfer. But I'd rather folks learn real skill in self awareness, self awareness of our thoughts, and how to navigate that, and skill on how to get better. Yeah, now you mentioned about the fear of speaking uh, for us. Uh, Behind me here, I don't know if you can see it here, but this book here, uh, the book cover, uh, No Fear of Speaking, was one of the first books that my parents wrote a long time ago. And a funny story, my parents are just crazy like this, but like back in the 1980s, um, it was like a big thing to like buy your gravesite, like for when you, you know, get older. And the gravestone they bought is a, a lectern 
Uh, a podium, by the way, is what you stand on. What comes up and you put your notes on is called a lectern. So like one of these. The gravestone is a lectern. <laughs> and on it is the cover of their book that says, No Fear of Speaking. And they bought a plot that faces the rest of the cemetery. So it's oh like they can gosh. present. This is just like their, their sense of humor about it, right? Huh. Now, my mom, she passed away about uh, seven, uh, eight years, in 2012, 2012. And uh, it was... Um, I go there now, like when we went as little kids in the 80s, we were like weird parents. I go there now and I just have this appreciation for her humor mm. as I can sit and be with her at her gravesite with that fear of speaking. I, I, it's weird, but I bring it up because the, for us, we deal with it probably almost every day. The reason is it's really hard to implement technique skill when anxiety is present. So we have researched this topic extensively over the years. We, I mentioned before the show, we were talking briefly about a virtual reality system. Now, this is a tool we use in-house. We developed it in the 1990s and then have updated it over the years. So you put on a virtual helmet and you are in an auditorium, and then the coach working with you will control the computer to make things happen. So when you're in that space, you'll hear, speak up, I can't hear you, and you know all the things. And then you work through your the psychology. Not everybody needs the VR stuff. I think for the most part, it's just kind of fun, but I don't, I don't know that it's the, that's not what's going to help you. It's, it's help, it's, it's an assistant. But what you really need to do is understand your own, uh, you mentioned early in the opening, you need to understand your own self talk uh, when it comes to speaking and, and be realistic about it. So we have in the back of our mind the self-talk that repeats again and again. So the, the, the textbook example would be, I, I might say something like, I'm going to be nervous. I know it. I'm going to be nervous. I'm going to be nervous. Negative self-talk, or we, we use the word irrational. And so what you have to do, typically working with a coach, a speech coach will help you with this, replace that with something rational or positive. Now, that does not mean looking in the mirror and saying, I'm good enough and gosh darn it, people like me. Stuart no, that's Smalley, not what it is. Yeah, right? it's not Stuart Smalley. It Rational is realistic. So instead of saying I'm going to be nervous, I might say something like, well, I can be nervous and effective at the same time. Now, you may or may not believe that yet. Sometimes just talking about it is enough. And other times it's not enough. That's why when, if a friend comes to you and says, just picture yourself at the ocean, take a deep breath, and, and it doesn't work because you need to figure out on your own your psychology. So you may need to learn new skills to change your belief system. So I could say to you, hey, you know, if you structure your presentation in this way, you can be nervous and effective at the same time. That makes sense to you, but you might not believe it until you actually do it. And then we practice it together. And maybe you watch yourself do it, right? And you learn and you update your belief system. And a good example of this would be for any, if any of your listeners have ever had a situation where they're approaching a presentation, they're very, very nervous, but once they get going, they feel a lot better. That's an example of the belief system updating itself in real time as you speak. Whatever, whatever you, you can minimize that by identifying, well, what was I nervous with to begin with? They might laugh at me. I'll forget what I'm going to say, right? And then as we practice, we can become more self-aware, belief systems updated, and we end up speaking with confidence, real confidence, not like made up stuff, but we just feel more comfortable, more confident. So anyway, it's, it's a deep yeah. topic, but it's, it's a lot in there. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Eric Cabral here, founder of On Air Brands and host of the Entrepreneur Circle and Capital Hacking. I wanted to share something truly unique with you that we've created called Pod Max, which is an amazing opportunity to connect you with major podcasts to help you share your fascinating stories with their communities. This unique invitation-only event includes interviews with you on top-rated business podcasts all in one day. It also provides a unique networking opportunity with high-performance guests and thought leaders who are authors, coaches and consultants, investors, speakers, executives, 
executives, you name it. These are the type of people that you need to be around. We also provide industry expert keynotes to hit our stage to share insights on podcasting, investing, marketing to help you take things to the next level. And the cool thing about Podmax is that it has a multimedia agency engine behind it with on-air brands to provide social media promotions before and after the event to share your brand new shows with your network. So hit the apply now button at podmax.co and I hope to see you at the next Podmax event. With some people, you sometimes hear the phrase, oh, he just loves hearing himself talk. <laughs> What's <laughs> happening there? Yeah. Yeah. In those, co- in those cases, I would say what's going on is in the, the 400 words a minute in the back of the mind, the person is very, very focused on their own message. And they probably would do well to learn some, what we would refer to as listening skills, some listening techniques, how to think from the other person's point of view. It's not easy to do. So this is part of the communication coin Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, there's a model that goes back to the 1950s created in Bell Laboratories called the sender receiver model. So you have a sender and then you have a receiver. And the sender sends what we call a message to the receiver who gives what's called feedback back to the sender. And for those who are watching on video, you got to see me do a fun thing with my hands. Those in the car, you're out of luck. So what happens is, the, the messages are sent from the sender with things like uh, words, tone, body language, facial expressions, like lots of ways. And then the receiver gets it. Well, we hope. The problem is that there are barriers that get in the way of the receiver getting the message. And there are barriers coming back with the feedback. The sender can't get the feedback sometimes. Hmm. So they might just keep talking more and more and more and more and more because they can't see or interpret the feedback coming back to them. Now, what are those barriers? Well, there's tons of them. Uh, and it, well, and take, take mass communication, for example. What you and I are doing right now, we can talk with each other. And the way the recording is happening, we can even see each other. But folks who are listening, this is from one to many. We call it mass communication. The feedback is harder. Now, with tools like Facebook Live, that helps because people can ask a question or make a comment or something, but otherwise it's tough. But for, for your listeners, if you're at a business meeting, some simple techniques you could do are just stop and ask a question. Now, you want to be careful with things like, so do you understand? Uh, there's nothing inherently wrong with that question, but the, the problem is many people, are they don't want to embarrass themselves in front of their peers. So they say yes. Um, so they just nod and say yes. So you might think of strategic ways to frame your questions related to your product or service or business that you're selling to confirm that they actually get it. We do it all the time. I, I will assess what people are getting things in our training by the quality of the questions they are asking me. If they're asking me questions about things that are related to what we're doing, I I know that they're understanding it, It, which may sound weird because they're asking me a question, but it's what kind of questions are they asking? That's just one technique. There's also, uh, that's certainly built into um, sales training and techniques. When your prospect is asking questions, that's a buying sign, as it's called, right? And that means they're engaged. Yeah, you know, yeah, people, and I mean, we, with, with our business, it's funny, we often joke that it is very hard to find an industry that we have not worked with. Uh, everything from, or a job position. So sales, of course, we do a lot of work with people in sales because communication skill is huge. So yeah. a lot of teams, maybe after they've gone through some sales training from some you know, Sandler or Spin or whatever it is, we study all of the methodologies that are out there. For the most part, they're all very, very similar. But then we come in and say, well, how, what are you supposed to do now that you know this? How do you internalize this and build skill in your, your communicating? Because we're all different. We, we came from different backgrounds. We sound different. We look different. So how do you get that communication to work? So sales are, are relatively easy to work with because they often, they, they can really understand the why. Uh, other industries, maybe not so much. Like if we're in research and development, uh, a lot of times we're working with CEOs who have a new business idea and they're trying to sell it, but they grew up through the tech side, maybe. They're, they're not a strong... Talking was not their strength. They have amazing ideas and the business model's great. But then when they stand in front of a potential partner or an investor or customer, 
there's a struggle there. So we, we do a lot of work with those folks and we would approach them differently because they're starting at a different place than let's say somebody who's a salesman. So, but for us, we study all of this stuff that we have to. What yeah. was the, when, uh, before we hit record here and we were uh, live on Facebook, uh, you pointed out a great example of a miscommunication in a sense. Mm-hmm. I, in fact, was asking you a question, um, hoping and expecting the feedback loop to continue. I didn't yes. get it. And then I was like, uh, hello, are we, you know, uh, yes, yes, you. And then you're like, oh, this is a great example. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm often asked about what's changed in communication recent years. Aside and, from everything. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, it the seems. fundamentals haven't, haven't changed, true. but the way we're it's using delivery. it has been a lot more, right? Well, and dare so we introduce text messaging after this, but go ahead. Oh, yeah, I know. Of course, of course. Yeah. Uh, in this particular example that you're referring to, yeah. Uh, yes, you were talking to me. In my mind, I'm sitting here on another side. On, you're on a computer looking at a screen. I'm at a screen. I think you're talking to the people in the chat window that I cannot see. You can see it, right? So there's all this room for miscommunication. So you asked a question, and I'm just sitting here comfortably. Yeah, looking you're good, like, doing your thing. So you going to answer me or what? Right? And right. I'm like, oh, was that to me? You know? right. So... Uh, you know, little things, but you know, we're fine. We're going to run into this stuff. And we do. I, I, when I'm working in other cultures, I lived in Malaysia for a while with my family and worked all throughout Southeast Asia. And I got to live and see and witness and continue my studies. I was doing my PhD at the time in another culture and see firsthand the depth that miscommunication can go and how we don't see it. There was one team, one time I was at a team meeting with a group and the discussion was around uh, research. One person in the group was referring to research as about a $50,000 budget going with certain types of companies that would conduct the research, blah, 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 blah. The other person's interpretation of research was he was going to call three of his buddies and see what they had to say. <laughs> but they didn't talk about this. I was, I was, my presence there was as an observer in the group. So I wasn't, I was taking notes to then help the team communicate better. I'm watching this group go on for probably about 45 minutes, talking about very different things, arguing. I could see it, right? But they didn't stop to take the time to confirm understanding of what, what did we mean by these terms? They were both from different cultures. So it, it didn't help uh, at all. Mm. So we see this kind of stuff all the time. Small comments. We hear in, in Malaysia, people would say things like, uh, you know, wait a while. Now, here, when we see wait a while, when we hear wait a while, what do you think? What comes to mind? What is a while? How long is a while? If I say, yeah, just wait a while. Uh, well, certainly I, I'd need a little more context, but yeah. uh, a few days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There, it's like, be right back, like, like, like oh. 20 seconds. Like, uh-huh. let me just, you know, we might say one sec. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of room for miscommunication. And then, of course, uh, and then, of course, when I say that to my six year old daughter, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm getting her growth here now. I, I see it happening. I'm like, uh, can you just give me five seconds? And she says, five, four, three. <laughs> two. I'm like, no, no, not, not literally. Yeah. Don't take so, it literally. Yeah. You know, these things, I don't think these ideas are necessarily new because we live these problems. Even people from the same culture, people from the same family can have misunderstandings. I think what, what do you do about it is you practice patience. Uh, the, the, a lot of the, the clients that I work with who are business professionals that engage on a global level, meaning they're, they're dealing business with people from other countries. Uh, they, ten, there's a trend that I've seen is they, when we do business that way, there tends to be a lot more patience for social faux pas, when we, you know, we, we sort of recognize this person's, fr- so, and that's important. That's important. This patience is important because the attitudes that we have shape our communication. There's a saying we have here in our staff room on the refrigerator, a little piece of paper that says ABC. Attitude becomes communication. The way I think about something becomes the way I'm sending the message. It'll influence my choice of words, my tone of voice, my facial expressions. So if I'm frustrated with you, it's going to show. Now, one could argue, good, Ethan, just be authentic, be who you are. And I don't disagree with that at all. 
what I would what I would ask is what is going to be the most useful communication is in particular in a business meeting or if let's maybe it's a family you're dealing with a family argument right in that dialogue what's the most helpful let's take the business example you're in a business meeting with either a peer or a potential client and you get frustrated option a is you just say hey look i'm really frustrated blah blah you know and you just let it out now if i know that person really really well fine that's probably going to be quite comfortable, normal. But if I don't know them that well, instead of being, fo- if I only have 30 minutes to make an impact with this person, instead of the 30 minutes redirecting into the business and how I can help them, I've invested time in sending messages that say, I, you've upset me, you've made me mad, you've made me upset, and it gets in the way. So the, the skill here is to say, can I learn how to become self-aware? When I get, we, we like to use the word hooked, my, when my attitude is hooked, triggered, when I get triggered like that, can I become self-aware? Um, when I'm very upset, could be very happy. I've seen people lose sales because they're too excited in the moment, they got hooked, mm. or too angry, whatever it is. Can I be self-aware and still control what messages am I sending? This is not about being a fake person. It's about being accurate. Which messages are the most useful right now? And we're not perfect. We're not going to get it right all the time. But when we start to put even a little bit of attention towards the way we think, the way we communicate, the quality of the messages and therefore quality of the relationships tend to really increase. And then once it's really strong, hey, then I can say whatever. When I'm really close with you, I can say, oh, I hate that, you know, and nobody's upset. But when we're just getting going, mm, it's not as easy to do that. Not as easy. I noticed even in that last little segment of two to three minutes that uh, mind and thoughts came into play often. So I'm getting it. It seems like even from your POV here, it all begins with the thoughts and your mindset. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It's all in there. It begins. I mean, when you think about it as humans, that's, we have this processing that's happening up here and the science of speech communication, which is a vocation. You can actually study and go to school for this. So this is also one of the places we differ from sort of the new modern coaching, fill in the blank coach, you know, type of thing. This is very specific. There is a science to it. And that's why we look at it, the mechanics, you need to understand that, and the psychology, you need to understand that. So we, where, where do we teach it is like leadership, uh, management, business, tends to be where most of our work is spent. But we do work with celebrities and politicians and individuals, but just most of our work is in the business world, because that's, for the most part, where we, well, that's how we make yeah. our living. So whether it's one of those types of people, or even me as an example, if I know you exist and I say, uh, I see the value, I get it, I want to improve. Um, I, I mean, I really, that's all I do know. Maybe I don't have a presentation coming up. Maybe, you know, maybe I speak on stages, but I, I'm not looking for anything specific in that world, but that's my world. Is that the beginning of a rela- of a working relationship with you? So, like, what do you do? I just reach out and I say, sure. "I can, I'm interested in this kind of help to improve." W- where do we begin? What does the process sure. then look like? What I, do you do? What do with, I do? With us, I, I would say about I don't know, maybe eighty or ninety percent of our work is referral. So we don't do a whole lot of mass marketing. Right. Um, it's word of mouth for us. I mean, we, we've been around 56 years. So that's a lot of word of mouth. That's a lot of mouths. <laughs> um, in the meantime, you can go to our website, speechimprovement.com. And you can just reach out to us. There's a team of us around the world. We've got 15 of us all together. We have a coach who lives in Malaysia, two in the UAE, one in India, uh, one in Germany, uh, uh, Texas, um, Alabama, and Florida. And then most of our team is, most of us are in Massachusetts and we're slowly growing. I mean, our, you go to the website, fill out the form, somebody will call or email you. That's the easiest way. Now, we can do it through we... private coaching or group training and we can do it remote. I mean, these days, you know, we know most of the technologies out there from Zoom to Skype to Teams, you name it. So what are those first few 
sessions together going to look going to look like what are you going to do with me what are you going to ask me for what are you going to evaluate what's the back and forth here so sure so when we first get together your coach is going to begin profiling you which happens really as soon as you open your mouth sorry i figured it off i know but no it's a good thing though it's yeah. a good thing and what we're looking for there are a couple things one is what do you feel you 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 either have it as a challenge. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of people who they don't see it as a challenge. They just want polish. Yeah. We coach people who are professional speakers. They speak for a living, mm-hmm. and this is where they come when they want to get to the next level. But I'd say most of the folks we're working with, there might be maybe they get nervous or they just are not clear. They talk too much or they're too rude or blunt. Whatever the thing is, we're going to want to hear from you that. We're going to want to hear the context for which you're speaking in. Uh, we're going to want to hear uh, what does it feel like. Um, are there places where you feel that you're very effective in your speaking? We're going to want to know that. We found that if you can do it over here, you can do it over here. So if you're good in one environment, you can do it in others. What's not working? Where's the disconnect? We'll ask about your level of nervousness. Is it present? Is it a lot? Is it a little? Not so much. You never get nervous. We'll ask about those things. And uh, from there, we're assessing and making a determination about which particular tools, techniques are going to be most useful for you to use We don't all look and sound the same. So you might be doing things that are already working. You should know that. If there are things that are working, you should know that so that you can build on it. And then there are things that you think are working that we may need to tell you, yeah, that's not working. Based on what you told us, who you're presenting to, what you think is working probably isn't, right? And we talk about that kind of stuff. and. You know, it's really quite cool. And it's not only one, we know what the, we know what the sort of the textbook way to produce sound is, but then there's what actually works. So we, we've had folks come to us where they have an accent, maybe a thick Boston accent, like, you know, they're, they're dropping their eyes like this and they don't want to drop. They don't want to stop dropping their eyes. It's about who they are, part of who they are. Right. And they don't want that. Fine. That if it's not broken, don't fix it. But then there are times, but if you say to me, but I'm going into this particular environment. I need to present in this particular way. What can I do? Okay, now you've got to work on that. Uh, one of my clients um, is the uh, chairman of Capitol Records. Long time ago, he's in my book, uh, John Platt. So this is the producer who um, uh, works with artists like Beyonce, Jay-Z. He found these artists and, and you know yep. signed them and so forth. Long time ago. And when he was developing in his career, there was a desire to strengthen the quality of dialogue in the business side of the of his of his world he was in the music side so he knew he was an absolute and still is a master at communicating that he wanted to be able to strengthen the skill on the business side and so he had to learn how to maybe frame things a little bit differently based on who he is talking with mm. so that they could see him in a particular way and he did quite well. When I met, met him, he was, you know, he was a, uh, an executive vice president and he just kind of kept moving up and he's doing really well these days. Great guy, great guy. And he wow. was very receptive to the, to the coaching. Let's talk about the book, the international best-selling book, dare I add, Mastering Communication at Work, How to Lead, Manage, and Influence. When we get that book, what is at the, what is at the heart of it? What is it? How do we the, this it? book? We, we, John and I, John Wortman, who's my co author, who he runs a leadership company. John and I wanted to write a business book that would stand the test of time. It's loaded with tools, techniques. You can flip to a specific chapter. Mm. So, for example, if you're trying to figure out how do I deal with defensiveness, you know, I've got this one investor that's just Every time I say it, they die, their eyes roll, right? So you can skip to a chapter with presentations. We talk about not only how do you organize a presentation, but there are different kinds of environments we are presenting in. Mm-hmm. Presenting in the boardroom is not the same as presenting at a conference. So we talk a little bit about that. Um, we talk about motivating, or we often say you can't motivate others, but you can speak to the motivation within. So how do you frame and figure out how should I adapt my my thoughts, my message, so that that other person can get it. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot in the book um, all around communication. So there's a whole bunch of yeah. tools. And then there are case studies and examples. The interview with John is a great one. 
he he talks a lot about how he um, implemented some of these communication skills in his own life and how it's really helped him to excel in his career. And there's others, other interviews as well. Uh, before we wrap up, I do want to hear part of your upbringing. I know you alluded to it. Your parents <laughs> yeah. founded this this very company in the 1960s. You also said yeah. that they were both um, communicators in different ways. Uh, one was Jewish, one was not. So you already helped paint the picture. Uh, yeah. Complete that for us. What was life sure. like in that environment? <laughs> so uh, you heard me say the word plosives. That's a, a nerdy, geeky word in the world, world of speech communication. There are certain sounds that are hard to produce. So we'd grow up with, uh, around the dinner table with people saying things like, plosives are neat, but hard to repeat. You know, <laughs> so this is like in our world, we were learning and discussing wow. concepts of like Aristotle when I was four years old. So I just <laughs> thought everybody knew this stuff, but it was just a part of our family. Communication was always there. Uh, my, my mom was studying speech pathology. Um, at the time, back in the 19, early 1960s. Uh, and my dad was studying something very specific called rhetoric and public address. And this was all at Emerson College, back when Emerson used to be one of the schools that we would look for. When we look for coaches, we used to just look for Emerson grads. These days, sadly, they have gone away from their more traditional uh, speech sciences. But um, but back then, this is where what they would do. And these two met and they had this idea that if you could coach executives the way athletes were coached, you could really help that executive and, and help them be more effective at their job. And that's what developed into this executive communication coaching. These days, people, there's variations of it. But it was all throughout the 1960s, the 1970s. It was probably the 1980s that we started to see some other companies uh, start to come out. And I really didn't want anything to do with this. I mean, as a little kid, I, I had to like help clean the bathrooms at the office, which was in Brookline on Beacon Street. And, you know, we had, but, but being there, like I'd ride my bike to the office with my friend to make 10 bucks cleaning the vacuuming in the bathrooms and stuff, you know, that's how we'd make some cash. But then we'd be there and we'd be introduced to like some royalty from another country that flew here to meet with my mom oh, wow. or my dad or one of the other coaches. Um, uh, we have Laurie Schloff, who's been with us for like 30 years, been on Oprah, right? So we have all these high-profile people coming into this humble little business office that was very homey. <laughs> Sometimes the dogs would be running around, you know, it was really cool. So, well, one funny story, my, my, um, my mom, her, her area of expertise was in accent. And we have a few people on our team. That's all they do, it, uh, accent reduction. Uh, today, it's called strengthening business English. Oh, really? <laughs> and, wow. uh, some, uh, in, in speech path, they'll call it accent modification, whatever it is. Yeah. Working, when people cannot be understood in the business world, one of these specialists will help. So she's working with the, the, the president of uh, a, a major Japanese camera company. And at the end of his practice... Um, I'm going to try to do this so that uh, it's clean. Uh, all right. So at the end of his practice, at the end of his speech, he says, okay, okay. Uh, F you, F you very much. F you very much. Uh, except he said the full word. And he thought he was saying thank you. Mm. But that's not what was coming out. And my mother, like this old Jewish woman, is like sitting there like, whoa. Like, it's like ready to fall out of my chair. This guy's swearing at her. Not at her, right? Yeah. So she had to tell him. She had to tell him. And he didn't understand what she was saying, that, that he was saying the F word. And she wrote it down and showed him. He sat there silent, looking at her for 10 minutes, getting mad. He was really mad, not at her, but at his own team, some of which who were American. And he said to my mom, you know, for the past six months, I've been on tour and I've been saying this and not oh a single God. person on my team told me that that's what I was saying. He was so embarrassed. He became like best friends with my mom at that point. <laughs> but it's like wow. the, the stories that we see and the people we help are so cool. And it's so, um, I don't know, the relationships last for decades. So anyway, that's it's all fun stuff. That's amazing. I feel I love, like we I love what we go, do. Yeah, certainly, clearly, right? And that's uh, that's a goal we should all aspire to. I imagine. Um, I, I feel like we can go on and on and uh, dig even deeper to all of this uh, as we look to wrap this up. 
what is what is still left unspoken to the person listening that they need to hear now going forward? Well, if I could leave your listeners with a, a bit of advice, it would be to practice your communication. Uh, practice is not the same as memorization. It's about familiarization. So if you have a sensitive conversation, an important meeting that you have to go to, there's nothing wrong with going into a private space, recording yourself audio and or video, one or the other, and then practice saying it out loud. As my sister, who's also a coach here, she's got 10 years on me. She's been here, Monica Murphy. So wow. She always likes to say to me, when we practice in our head, we're perfect every time. So we have to practice out loud. And when you do and you hear the recording back, it helps to calibrate in your mind how you think you're coming across from how you're really coming across. And just that little tip alone can really help you. And if you get stuck along the way, you know, you can always reach out to us, speechimprovement.com. There's ways to contact any of the coaches on the team, or there's a generic info email. We're, we're, we're a small team here, but we're very passionate. We're on all the time. Someone will get back to you. Mm. We don't flip on the meter because you're asking questions. You know, we, we bill when we have formal engagements, but we're, we're, we're pretty relaxed about when people ask us for help. We're, we're happy to help them with it. I mean, our mission is to heal the world one word at a time through communication. And my parents have always said, if you can help people learn to talk with each other, they stop hitting each other. So everywhere we go, and when I'm in other countries, I'll try to do some pro bono work or even just do the business that work that we're doing. If I can help people at the business level be more effective at getting ideas across, less misunderstanding, we can help heal the world one word at a time. That's, that's what we try to do in our small way. Wow. You might have alluded to this, but I'll ask you in the formal way, this final question, Dr. Ethan Becker, how would you like to be remembered? Uh, I'd like to be brief, be bright, be gone. That's one of my favorite uh, sayings that my dad used to say. But uh, I, I, I think I'd like to be remembered as just somebody who was helpful. I don't know. Wow. Well, Doing my part to try to help the world. So far, so good. Incredible. This has been extraordinary. Thank you kindly, Dr. Becker, for joining us. It's been incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Josh. Take care. And, and thanks for everybody tuning in, whether it's to this live broadcast right here or you're catching it in its native podcast form on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you consume your podcasts. Continue to leave those kind reviews. I really enjoy everything you have to say. And as you know, we're going to do this again before too long. Thanks for tuning in. Until we meet again, go get them. Thanks for listening to The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Make sure to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play so you can get notified every time we publish a new episode. And we'd love to hear your thoughts with an honest review on iTunes. Finally, follow us on your favorite social media platforms to keep the conversation going with Josh Carey and today's guest. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>